Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm normally joined by my co-host at Jake Anderson FF on Twitter, who is unfortunately busy dadding right now, so he isn't able to make the podcast and probably won't for a few more weeks. So we're fortunate enough to have some great co-hosts or guest co-hosts, uh, is what we're calling them, uh, jump on and cover for Jake and try to do the job of making sure everyone knows how wrong I am. Uh, for him. So far they've been doing a great job. We've had Eaton, Dynasty uh, Outhouse, uh, Jesse Reeves from FF Statistics as well. This week um, we are graced, blessed and honoured to be owned by none other than uh, uh, Gabe Gearing at the FF Man Bun from the Open Bar Podcast. Hey Gabe, how you doing? What's new? Um, Man, that's that's why I just surprisingly press record when <laughs> when we're doing the open bar. So people, you can always have the best kind of conversation intro uh, to start. But no, I'm, I'm uh, Peter. Man, I'm I'm a guest on your show now. You you've been through the open bar so many times, and uh, happy to finally return the fr- the uh, the favor a little bit. You, the The other guest that you mentioned kind of feels like an open bar episode a little bit <laughs> that's basically where i'm getting the names i just watch the open bar and like hey he goes on podcasts <laughs> um no actually i specifically uh asked all of those guys including yourself because i felt like i didn't know enough about how they personally evaluate players and you yourself as someone that live streams every tuesday at ten thirty, right always on time yeah nine thirty eastern ish i got uh, that's my first wrong good great awesome and <laughs> um, yeah nine nine thirty eastern ish um every tuesday on youtube i've heard talk endlessly about fantasy football at least i've listened to your podcast and even been on it a few times like you say um a lot and yet when i honestly thought about it i didn't know nearly enough about how you evaluate players or even how you felt about this year's rookies 
because you and Jay might play such gracious hosts that you mostly just ask questions and open the floor up for the guests. You're gonna, you're so wrong about everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm right. I know. Thank you. I know things. It's about time someone just said it. Um, <laughs> we spent so long pussyfooting around the issue. Um, I'm glad someone's got the guts to come on and finally just say it. Um, but no, um, like, where is your, where does your process start? If you have a process at all, like a process is for chumps, basically. <laughs> yeah. Do you even process, bro? <laughs> right. Uh, no, I don't know, man. Um, you know, I've I when you initially asked the question uh, in prep for this show, I kind of had to meditate for a little bit and and think about it myself. I'm like, what what do I do? You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> what what do I do specifically, or what can I do specifically? So I started looking into uh, history and trends. That's what really started um, piquing my interest. Is like how how these players do from year to year. Cause that's what we're looking at with, with dynasty, right? Um, yeah. W- what kind of window can we get the most success out of these players? So I, I'd look at the, I started with wide receivers cause I was so into them at the time, you know, first five rounds, I have to draft five, five receivers. And then, right. um, you know, eventually looked at running backs, a little bit of tight ends and quarterbacks, but those are a little, I think easier to draft nowadays. Um, so mostly running backs and wide receivers. And you, you'd see, and, I'd start building Excel spreadsheets completely uh, in a poor fashion compared to what you do. I've I've seen, (laughs) I've seen a lot of uh, shared documents from you and I'm like, Oh my God, I need to figure my life out. Um, (laughs) But I'd, I'd at least see a little bit. And what I, what I was most interested in is because there is a bit of a correlation. What happens with the wide receiver ones, what they, what they, um, see the following year what the wide receiver twos see the following year and you're looking for the players that can do this consistent consistently obviously and there's no perfect player except for like Ladanian Tomlinson (laughs) and you know or your uh I don't know Jerry Rice or Marvin Harrison those kind of guys and there's some of those nowadays I I suppose but I don't feel like we've really seen anything quite like that um so you look for that and you look my, my point is, is you're looking for trends. You're looking for trends from year to year. You're looking to see how these um, players... And sometimes it, it gets scary because I start to completely, like, eliminate what, uh, you know, team that they're on. You know, what uh, coaching situation it is. And it's like, no, but look at the history. Like, look at what this player does in comparison to previous players. Like, he's fine. Like like a Michael Thomas losing Drew Brees or something like, no, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that I mean, from a from a sense of like who I, who I'd like to pick, I think I kind of start there, and I, I and I also veer off from players because I know that I know that players exist that just are players, and that they are successful for that one year or are successful for that you know second year or whatever. Like flashes in a pan. I mean they they happen way more often than not. And I think a huge mistake that people make in, in dynasty is assuming that all of these players can consistently do the same thing for so long. And it's just not realistic. Like I I always talk about Cooper cup, for example. I mean, he good player. Sure. But like, is it realistic that he can kind of do this year after year after year? 
whereas I'd rather just feel more comfortable with a Brandon Cooks type of player, even though you know Brandon Cooks is more expensive. But what separates them out for you, though? The the consi- I mean the consistency really, and the there's a a lot boiled in with with Cooper Cup, but uh, just the the early success rate. Um, the the profile baked in. I mean, it it, it does weird me out that he's been on th- three teams, right. but it also comforts me that he's on an offense that has such a high ceiling. Um, which you could you know say the same about Cup, but like, <laughs> it, it's just insane the history that that Cooks has in comparison to Cup, and Cooks is younger. Like, yeah, Cooks it, is younger. It, Everyone forgets that because Cup is newer, yeah. right? But um. I mean, they both produce well in college, but at a very different conference level. That too, absolutely. I mean, the the longer that a player <laughs> stays in college, the older. Right. They get. Imagine that. <laughs> it's weird how that and, works. And and you and you can almost see like the the success of Cooper Cup being um, understandable because he stayed in college so long because he wasn't really that raw going going into. Um, the NFL, he he knew the position, he could translate to it very well, and not to mention he landed in a great spot. So, um, I I think that has to be taken into consideration, as opposed to just like isolating the player himself. Because, like I said, Cooks has been on three teams, and he's been successful on all three of those teams immediately, too. Mind you, and mind you, his first two QBs were Hall of Fame QBs, right? <laughs> um, and then and then the third being you know this prolific offense, sure, but. I think it's a really interesting point. The longer they've played, the more experienced they are. I think that's an underrated aspect of some players. Like In college, players always get more productive, almost always at least, as their career continues. Like uh, The trend is upwards in terms of yards and touchdowns and everything else. And that's because they're getting faster, stronger, but it's also because they're getting better. We should expect that. And so if a player stays in college longer... You should expect him to be a little more advanced than someone that only stayed in there. It's not something I I remember to remember a lot. So I think that's a really interesting point with Cup as well. I I should have thought to ask you about Cup because every time he comes up on the open bar, you're like, I can't talk about Cup anymore. I don't think I've ever heard your rant. You've never like given in and just ranted about it. So that was that's great. <laughs> like, um, is there anything else about Cup that really just annoys you? Uh, well, you you said he you, you said he played in a small conference and he he did. You know, he played Big Sky Conference and I'm from Montana and I'm a Montana State Bobcats fan and so I watched that man <laughs> in in you know physical form just beasts on these small montana state cornerbacks oh, man, so yeah i got <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that maybe that's a little bit of it as well but i know that not every every one of these players that i kind of uh veer from is not from you know the same conference so and <laughs> um, does that make you not like Corey davis as much as well obviously he wasn't uh beasting on montana state quarterback uh cornerbacks but um like he was from a smaller conference too, so the story goes. Right. No, I I think it doesn't really, and and, and that's not that that was never a reason why I hated Cup. I I just meant in the sense of that I was rooting against him and that he kept, continued to win. But the small conference thing to me, um, it, as far as the NCAA has has gotten a lot kind of uh, smaller as far as the circle of, of who's good, who's not. Like, yes, there's these really, really popular schools, but they're, the talent has just diversified so much. And I think players, like from a kind of a business standpoint, like are, are looking to, 
be somewhere where they can actually stand out. So, um, you know, between Cup and, and Davis or, you know, guys like Kareem Hunt at, at Toledo, like those are all kind of smaller schools. Um, and they they showed out and they kind of got on a national platform in a, in a different way as opposed to being like the, the automatic national platform, you know. So, yes, the competition isn't as steep, but I do think that that gap is a lot closer than we think um, just as, as time has progressed. I mean, you've already seen – I know this is a different sport, but you've seen in basketball them rearrange conferences to try and even the playing field essentially. And and I think we could see that in football soon too. And I know they've done a little bit of manipulation, but not as not as much as basketball. But I think that I I do think it's even more even than we think. Yeah, I don't know this basketball that you speak of, but um, it sounds it sounds <laughs> it sounds right. It sounds right in theory at least. Um, <laughs> yeah, I recognize almost no other sport. Uh, just a, just the two forms of football. Home run. Yeah, right? just the two forms of football. And like Jake says, he's a golf instructor. I'm not entirely sure that exists. I think he's just making that up, let alone uh, anything else. But um, I'd also like to just call bullshit on the first few lies that you've told, like uh, the idea that I produce something that you can't. Like, just in case a stranger randomly rolls into the crossroads here and uh, doesn't know that Gabe's a mathematician. Um, and also, by the way, probably the coolest teacher you ever met. Um if his voice sounds familiar, it's because he is the one who does the podcast theme on pretty much every podcast you listen to, um, and that's where that that's where his voice sounds familiar from. And you can see a lot of him um, acting out music videos with his students, which has got to put you on the list of coolest teachers that ever existed, if not right at the top of it. You're right. I don't know how to code. That's that's the truth here. I don't know how to extract data. That's exactly where I'm at. <laughs> we are one, but you are trained. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it. Um, how does that work out in practice? Like, are there any trends for like rookies that you look at? Obviously, you mentioned uh, performing well, performing well young. That's something that I like to look for as well. Like, in this year's class, one of the things that comes up for me a lot is like JJ Osega Whiteside. His production was heavy on the touchdowns. Um, to put it mildly, his yards were fine, uh, but only one year was significantly above average for good wide receivers in the NFL, based on the way I look at it anyway. Um, but his touchdowns were kind of off the charts, which makes him look great in college dominator ranking, for example, rating, for example, which isn't as predictive or useful. I I I love um J. I wish we could call him Sega, but he, me too, right? He uh, uh, he pronounced his i thought he came up he like gave us the nickname but then he told us how to say his name so i don't know i'm a bit i'm a bit confused but <laughs> nonetheless nonetheless i like the player <laughs> i'm good with sega unless he comes out as hating it or something i'm like yeah bring on sega's just such a cool nickname that like i can't do that no but i uh i do like sega um i do think he is i mean not just the uh from a statistics standpoint or profile or whatever, but just like the watching him, he is that player. He bodies people. He can uh, play jump balls with, with these, you know, puny oh, oh, cornerbacks, wait, wait. whatever. Do you grind the tape, bro? Is that what I'm hearing here? <laughs> we have is, got this, an, is this the chicken or crow? Or we have got an, we <laughs> have on the right got podcast? <laughs> an official numbers guy tape grinder. That's, that's You're like a rare bird. You're rarer than I thought. 
Um, yeah, carry on. Like, what, what do you see on tape there? Like I said, I mean, he bodies people. He, he He's able to just get over just about anyone. And, and between the route running and the catching, it's it's all gravy, baby. And But it, it, it just kind of – it fits the profile too. Like, you, you see him – what is he? It's like six two, two twenty, something mm-hmm. along those lines. I mean, that's exactly what you want from like, <laughs> like the the prototypical like draft five wide receivers in the first round kind of thing. Like right. you make always sure wanted all this tall like, and, yeah. make sure yeah, make sure they're always tall and like around two twenty five. Yeah, make sure that they're Megatron. That every single receiver is or or Julio. So. Yes, and there's a lot of guys in this class that are like that, by the way, that are like that prototypical that would size have been, of, a, yeah, of a wide definitely. receiver. So, um, do you think I that's think, a trend? Speaking to the man who follows trends so well, like, and that's the um, thing. That's yes, that's the thing. Is like you you have to look at that in the dynasty landscape, and it's that's why it's so powerful to be on Twitter. Is to I mean, I, I do think that there's like a different mindset on Twitter of people that we, we all kind of get this kind of convoluted general idea of of players ultimately and and, right and then you go into like a home league and like no one thinks that at all (laughs) so bubbled world my friend we all live in this tiny bubble like i keep getting jj a sega whiteside in the second some i got him in the third round once in a league that's not populated by twitter folk and like yep. it, it kind of blows your mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you I mean, step home league, you. home league that's going right now. Just he just went at three oh four. So, right. Um, and I was at, I was at three oh six, just like sweating, <laughs> you know, <laughs> praying, hoping, you know. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I I, I enjoy. Um, I'm I I do always kind of have a soft spot for those kind of wide receivers, like the aforementioned Doriel Green Beckham. <laughs> is like right. this type of player except he was like a physical freak but he was also really raw so you had to consider that when drafting him I don't think that our Sega Whiteside is raw at all I think he's plenty ready I mean the the early breakout age he he was in college you know what we were talking about long enough to right. um, kind of translate into the NFL well the landing spot is kind of weird now um, and I think you'll hear this take just about everywhere but I, I think that in his second year is is really going to be um something to watch and i'm i'm intrigued to see what happens beyond this year and if he does get a chance in year one and and we get to see a little bit like yeah it we're just you're just free riding at that point you know right it's really weird that everyone's concerned about jj or sega performing in his first year but like we're concerned with every wide receiver performing in their first year he's the only one that gets discounted from it and the other argument I hear is, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, bro. Alshon Jeffrey uh, is going to, like, <laughs> haven't we all, like, not to say it's right or that we don't recognize he's talented or haven't had hope, but we have faded him so hard in ADP and expectations over the last three years. But now J.J. Sega Whiteside is in there. It's like, well, Jeffrey's obviously going to be the one. So you haven't thought he was the one for years. And now all of a sudden. I think, I think. He- that the the Eagles are are building appropriately, uh, and they're doing. We got to remember that they're doing this for their team and not for us. Right. I mean, they've, right. they've got Goddard, they've got JJ, and that could be a two to three year, you know, wait time that we're, that we're looking at to find success. And um, that's that's really what this is about. So sure, Jeffrey can have his wide receiver two year again, and and Ertz will have his top five tight end season, and and you know. 
but I'd like to see I just want to see his production in the first year and see if he gets a chance and um because if he does get a chance like that that just tells you something whether you're watching the tape or not the the, the snaps you know <laughs> for for your for the numbers guys speaking of like thresholds and trends like is there something you is there anything a rookie can do in his first year that can really tank your opinion of him or really improve it like um for me if a wide receiver for example gets five to seven hundred yards in their first year and that's nowhere near fantasy relevant right like they they weren't starting for you anywhere in the first year, but um, like I think that's really positive. That's one thing I've noticed. No, yeah. I, I, so it's easier, I think, to obviously look at what you do like. You know what you said of the five to seven hundred yards. Um, I, like I said, just a player getting on the field is a positive thing. So obviously, yeah. a, a negative thing is just not being on the field. And I think when you <laughs> when you it seems end, so simple when you say it, but it's tr- so true. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But and to kind of extend that, not not in the sense that they like are just starting off of the field and stay off the field, but when they start on the field and then they are taken off the field, that cannot be a good thing. <laughs> you know that it did and it did happen a little bit with Penny. Yeah, um, that's true. Particularly with pass blocking, you know, and and I think I'm going to still give him the benefit of the doubt because of um, injuries that kind of happen. Uh, he dealt with throughout the year and being overweight and now he seems like he might be in in better shape of sorts I don't know we'll see but um that that's one thing I mean you you have to make sure that they are uh wanted by the coaching (laughs) staff wanted on the field I mean literally like the the moment that they make an appearance is the moment that they should be on someone's radar like your approach is a lot very holistic like you know the trends but you want to see it too and it, it's it, it's a solid process um, that sounds simple, but is I think is really um, effective, right? I happen to know you also like um, Cortland Sutton. Like your Suttons uh, are pretty strong. You're pretty strong with the Suttons. And um, <laughs> like something I noticed with him is that talking about the early competition, that he struggled to out-target players unless they were injured. Even like Tim Patrick was stealing targets from him. So that's positive for Tim Patrick. Is it negative for someone like Cortland Sutton for you? Yeah, a bit. I mean, it, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> it's 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 a small, you know, like we said, the the small players, uh, small school player. Right. <laughs> um, everything still lines up with you know between your breakout age and and uh, college dominator is good enough. You know, there's nothing really overly concerning and not to mention like the the quarterback play that he had last year abysmal and with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders in front of him like yes I understand the whole Tim Patrick thing but I think that's a more of a like we didn't have options type of type of uh (laughs) argument and and at, at quarterback and we just like they don't, they don't know how to, and they, it might be that they don't probably know how to use Cortland Sutton. You know, that's fair. Um, with with the quarterback that they have, and I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not worried. I, I think that people get worried uh, way too quickly. Another, another trend. That's fair. You know, uh, between recency bias and, and things. So, um, not worried. Long story short, and it's busting your sentence. As much as I like to, uh, you know just disagree with everyone all the time i like i say it's really it's it's common sense it's a really good approach um and like even 
I've noticed Cortland Sutton, the ADP, his value right now, hasn't really gone up a lot. Like, a lot of wide receivers go up, especially when they're, they were pretty well thought of in the draft, right? Highly drafted in our rookie drafts. I can't argue against him right now at all, which is disappointing and upsetting for me, obviously. But, you know, it's something I deal with. It's- we, li- we live in an age that we want instant gratification or instant, you know, production. It, it's, it happens in the world, and now it, it's happening in fantasy football, which <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane that we expect these things when you just have to consider, like, the, the percentage of, of receivers that actually succeed uh, in year one, and, and not even to, like, the, the 500 to 700 yard nature, just the general nature of success. I'm getting a little too uh, deep. Uh, for me there like like um i didn't expect to get so deep with the author and performer of tweet em up but uh no i'm lying uh, <laughs> honestly one of the smartest guys i have had the pleasure to talk to i sound like i'm going into my outro and i'm not i don't know like this is I, I <laughs> it looked again. like you were about to say goodbye um, yeah right um no <laughs> never running backs is something i struggle with rookie or nfl like um like i said pre-show like it's hard to make the question do they even catch bro seem more complicated than it is like uh, do they catch cool um if not they have a harder ceiling than most but talking about trends in the nfl and how you know some wide receivers about running back it seems that running backs with less of a pass catching history are starting to get more targets in the nfl so they can do it they just weren't asked to do it was always a conclusion but recently like i've noticed chubb didn't get a lot but got a little and um, so some of these running backs without a lot of history are starting to get more targets. Am I right on that trend that it seems to be happening or is it just my paranoia? <laughs> no, I mean, I think that we we used to look at running backs as like who is going to get the most carries and not necessarily like who is going to get the most touches because it, it used to be playing fantasy football in standard leagues and we didn't even really care about the catches <laughs> and and neither really did the neither did the NFL in terms of in terms of running backs you know um there were f- few that you know could do everything and and but we didn't care <laughs> and now we're playing in like almost the standard now of PPR and you have You're to right. consider that and you but not not just in in the the realm of fantasy football, but also in the NFL, it is just so um, beneficial to have a running back that can do all all of the things. You know, <laughs> talk about right. the, the top you know ten guys that do that all day. But how do you how do you look at guys that didn't really have a history of that? You may have to consider what team they're on. You know, it, was there a another running back there that um, could do those things possibly better or just could do those things and also at the same time did not want to have the other running back also doing those things to just, you know, level out the workloads. And I think that's kind of the easy case for, for Nick Chubb, in my opinion. I think he can pass catch. I think that's fine. You also have to consider that he is on the Browns and that he – um, has Duke Johnson there? If if he's traded, you'd almost feel more comfortable with his pass catching. Um, 
but you you think about all these other other guys that um, Melvin Gordon like did did the Chargers draft Austin Eckler because they were worried about Melvin Gordon's pass catching ability? I don't think so. <laughs> I think they found a diamond. <laughs> I think they found a diamond in the rough, and found that he was useful on the NFL field and and. That's just not something that we can necessarily predict. So <laughs> I, I, I hate to like just, you know, shoot down any sort of projection no, that you great. have or that we have. But like it's 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 hard to put into num put into numbers um, as far as pass catching ability in uh, in um, the NFL. No, I think that's fine. Like there are so few trends like I think people overestimate how much we have that's realistically useful for predicting or valuing players from year to year. Like volume, like you said, is always the key. And that one of those that for running backs, especially like you said in the PPR world, the fact that running backs who haven't done it probably wouldn't do it is one of the most useful things I found. And so I'll be happy to be wrong on that. <laughs> like um, I hope they all don't become Melvin Gordon, which is a weird thing to say because more Melvin Gordon in the world probably wouldn't be a bad thing. Yes, all the Mel God. <laughs> um, are you worried about how many times he's carried the ball already? Big time. I mean, oh, th- okay. this th- no, yeah, this is just the the day and age of of this NFL too. More bruising, you know. There are more concussions. There are more injuries. Like this, <laughs> it is more dangerous than it has ever been, and and yeah, right. It's it's scary, but. Uh, aside from that, I mean, yeah, the, in general, you, you should be looking at these running backs, um, you know, in terms of like a, I'll get math on you, in terms Thanks of a you. confidence interval. You'd think that, you know, most of these guys, um, you're, you're going to have a 75% kind of confidence in, in that they are only going to last about three to four years at, at a rate um, of elite status, if they're if they're kind of already there, I mean, you know, the guys like Melvin Gordon or or Devonte Freeman is a good example, I think, of of someone who is um, <laughs> already on the Melvin Gordon path, <laughs> a couple years ahead of the Melvin Gordon path. So you have to look for an opportunity to kind of sell high on these guys. I think Melvin Gordon is one of those, dependent on your situation. I think that. He will definitely get you to a championship, but if there's a way that you can um, get a guy that, like, I, I could see Melvin Gordon, Devontae Freeman having an equivalent year, whereas you are getting Devontae Freeman, to, you know, two, three l- rounds later, and you can get some juice for next year type of thing. So, yes, long story short, carries are bad for running backs. <laughs> they they get the most um, use out of any, out of any uh, player in the NFL. Just turn this back around to rookies for a second as we try to fade out here and get you out in time to, you know, go set up. Yeah, he doesn't listen. Your brother's bachelor's party. I was worried I was going to spoil it then. And then I was like, what are the chances that one of my 26 listeners are your brother? Probably pro- probably not great. Um, but going back to rookies, like, I think there's a pretty solid top five at the top of most rookie drafts right now. Like, every league is different. But I think there are five players. Most people, at least in our bubble, except should be at, towards the top of the draft. That's the four running backs in Nikhil Harry, which is also a good title to a podcast, by the way. Um but is Daryl Henderson in that top five for you um, or in that top group for you? Uh, or is he someone you think people are getting too high on because of their, because of their fear of the girly-itis? 
<laughs> Gurliosis. Sorry, Gurliosis. Gurliosis. Itis. Uh, I'm not not sure what the. Also a good um, title. Like I can see why you're a songwriter, dude. Uh, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so you're putting you're putting Henderson as a. You say the the kind of consensus top five. He would be in that top five. Is consensus is I'm hard to say. I, I think there's you know there's Jacobs, Montgomery, Sanders, and Harry as pretty well a locked in top four for our little yeah, bubble. Yeah, that at least. makes sense. And then there's yeah. either Daryl Henderson, and I've started to put him in that top five. Um, are you, or is he still someone you think is like a second round or later first pick? Or I don't really hate that considering what has happened in, in landing spots and, and the the combination of combine data and, and other things. I, you know, people didn't like where uh, A.J. Brown landed, right. um, where Arcega Whiteside landed, where Marquise Brown landed, but they do like where Debo landed and where uh, uh, Hardman landed and <laughs> Paris landed like and Metcalf to a degree. Like, it seemed like there was this shift of like the top guys moving down and the bottom guys like moving up to meet in the middle. And now there's this like massive tier after the, um, one Oh four. So I don't hate it that much. I think it's kind of a get your guy scenario. And why I say this is I'm not necessarily talking about the girliosis. I am talking about Daryl Henderson as a player and being on a team that can provide him with opportunity and you can certainly consider the girly thing, but I I was one to uh, like Daryl Henderson before the Rams. I was already having him in the first round. I was happy to get him at the end of the first. Um, as far as a rank, I think he would, maybe not 105, but it's certainly in that range, that mid-first range in terms of a rank before the draft. And certainly the draft... It was Help one of those that, guys right. that, it, yeah. Well, initially, I think everyone hated it, but then right, they were right. like, "Wait a second, <laughs> wait a second, Gurliosis. There's more steps to this ladder." <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I honestly don't hate it because I, I really think that after how how the Twitter landscape at least makes it appear is that after 104, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is a really good point that you made earlier that I would like to emphasize. Like, in most leagues, the this is just the Wild West, right? Like, that locked-in five looks a lot different. Um, in most leagues, you can get J.J. Osega Whiteside, for example, in the third round sometimes, which is just crazy. So, you know, this is just a small bubble ranks. But, um, all right, then... So, I th- if we put Henderson in a top five, and then I, I think you're right, there's this big second tier that goes all the way to the middle of the second round. But who's at the top of that tier for you? Like, who's 106? I, I still think it's A.J. Brown. I mean, he he could be, he'd be the 105 in terms of ranks, you know, for me. So I, when I see him at the end of the first, I'm joyous. What's going on? Joyous man? with juice. You're down with the Davis, then you're not down with the Davis. Like, what's going on, Gabe? Let's dig in here. Like, uh, I'm did- entirely <laughs> down with Davis. I just, I'm, I was frustrated with all that, and I, I know the like probability, especially with a, a Mariota offense of having two <laughs> okay. top twenty-four wide receivers. I understand that's all working against me right now, but just in a vacuum, love Corey Davis, love in AJ a vacuum, Brown, love AJ Brown, gotcha. 
and things are just going to break my way, I have a feeling. <laughs> right, I've just got a feeling. Like, my pitch is Mariota. Not as bad as you think. And it's not very persuasive <laughs> to most not people. as bad as you think. <laughs> but, um... Uh, but the yeah. argument for that is that I think they do give him one more chance, you know, obviously, because he's on the team, and, and I think they got Tannehill to make him sweat a little bit and work for it, and, and if he does... Um, do something that it makes him some sort of elite again. And if he passes more, that's great. But if it doesn't work out, there are really good classes coming up in 2020 and 2021 for them to figure that out. So I am not too concerned about Corey Davis or AJ Brown. It's, it's kind of those guys that are, I mean, with Corey Davis, you got to be kind of frustrated at this point because you're like, come on, man, like we should be having, you know, perennial wide receiver one years at this point. Right. Don't give me your targets. <laughs> yeah. Give me your yards. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. But, but, you know, with A.J. Brown, it, he kind of fits with the Sega mold um, for me is that, like, I'm okay waiting. Like, if, if I've got the depth to um, produce with, with four or five other guys, like, and he's just chilling as my wide receivers seven or eight, like, great, perfect. Yeah, I, I, I love that. It's Again, it's more of you think you can see something, whatever it is, an amalgamation of common sense reasoning on the player and you're just kind of betting on that i don't know how it's going to work out because the nfl itself is the most unpredictable thing don't know what the team's going to do like literally antonio brown and odell beckham were just traded in the same offseason i mean you can't like situations change almost all the time yeah. and while we can't expect it we don't know what's going to happen so yeah i kind of love just trying to find a way and i think that's what the crossroads is all about gabe it's about finding a way uh, of making an evaluation on a player and just you know, standing on your hill and taking all comers with it. And so I kind of I kind of lo- love the AJ Brown rank there. It's not mine, but <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, Who's uh, who is it then? Who's the one hundred and six? Shit, I knew I was gonna you gonna ask. It's probably Whiteside for me. I just yeah. like um, his situation a little bit better than Brown's. Um, I do because too. I like I the mean, team a little bit. Yeah, um, no. but like I'm not taking a one at six. But you don't have exactly. To. Yeah, you, you <laughs> right. take him at three oh six. Right, right. <laughs> Damn right. They hate him that much. They hate I, him that much. I probably can't. Like if I get that, that's luck. But I can't sweat it out that long, man. I don't have the fortitude. Like I'm reaching for him. I'm sending. Yeah, that's probably. My like guy. I said, even if, if even if it's late first, early second for Sega, like you're probably not giving up a whole lot, and that is still a value to you. And I think it's still a value in general <laughs> like if you have common sense and logic then you're not giving up a lot but you're talking to me like i've been throwing out 2021st like come on <laughs> Whoa, <I'm thirsty>. <laughs> um, um but uh, yeah and the, the real trick of it is if we keep talking about aj brown and Whiteside, then andy isabella will still quietly drop to the middle of the second round and we can get him at the end of that tier so that's the uh, that's the other thing that i'm really excited about in this draft but uh speaking of rookies like we have to make room for a lot of them and so a question i'm asking everyone is who are you finally dropping um to kind of make room for the new guys who is finally like you've been holding on but you're now cutting them and why are you cutting them is it just frustration or is there a particular thing or trend that you look for to finally take someone off the end of your roster uh, both. I mean, there's there's players that are just not on teams anymore. That's certainly a reason <laughs> right. to right. Um, drop them. Those are more of like falling off a cliff like Corey Coleman or something, and I think that already happened last year. But 
Um, I think I think we are all uh, kind of secretly blessed in this draft class that you shouldn't really need to drop many players, and we talked a little bit about this already, and I was surprised to hear that Devontae Parker and Josh Doxson were on other people's lists, like... I get that, but also at the same time, like, what kind of dynasty league are you playing? Like, a, <laughs> okay. t- like a twenty man, like a twenty man roster. Where I you gotta have find to... room for Justin Watson. Uh, and I know. It just and gets it's rough. like, what are we doing? <laughs> okay, what do we? Yeah, what do we? Where am I gonna here? put Greg Dortch um, if I hold on to exactly? Doc like, stop, <laughs> stop. You can you can easily get like one halfway productive year out of Josh Doxson. Just one oh, little wow. flash, boom, sell him for a third, whatever. Like. <laughs> Sell them for a second. I don't know. You and your um, common sense. Greg Dortch is going to happen eventually in four years. We really need to calm down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> gearing to fantasy community. <laughs> you really need to calm down. I'm serious, man. This this time of year, y'all get so thirsty. I, I might. You know what? You might even. I might even say to the answer to this question is, don't drop anyone. Hang. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Hang on. To, hang on to everyone and don't draft any of these yeah don't draft any of these players i've the nfl is unpredictable though gabe i mean uh, odell beckham was literally just no i got nothing that's fair um (laughs) (laughs) that's that's all right all right all right we'll get a little less thirsty thanks to gabe um i'd like to thank gabe for coming on because this was awesome and i really enjoyed hearing him talk more about how he just plays how he evaluates players because like I say, we, we've we got a J. Mike um, Dynasty Dummy Blitz episode where he just talked through the NFL, but we don't have a Gabe Gearing Blitz, so we almost never get to talk. Like, you should be more selfish on your show. I'm just saying, like, you should more create more space for yourself to talk about what you think, because it's interesting. And like I say, I, I really enjoyed hearing about it. So thanks for coming on, Gabe. Um, is there anything like any new music about to drop that we all need to know about before we get out of here? Um, there is, yeah. Uh, I I do intros for um, fantasy football podcasts. That is my uh, niche, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> like, and yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's a thing. I I did create two in the last couple of days. Um, if I don't know if we're gonna. I I'll no you know what I'll say it. It's for the Fantasy 40 um is one of them. Uh all those those guys are good friends of us on the open bar. Um JDB Walk and uh Andrew. So go go check those guys out. Um that that intro should drop soon and then um a DHH podcast Fantasy Trenches. Um, Yakin Bake reached out to me to make one, and uh, he got me in a different zone. He got me at, like out of a a hip hop zone and more of like a red hot chili pepper zone, and that was <laughs> interesting. So, <laughs> um, love love it or hate it, um, don't care. Just enjoy making the music, and thank y'all for the opportunity. Um, and thank you for the opportunity of allowing me to to guest, my man. I uh, I appreciate that. I like you said. I don't really speak too much <laughs> about myself on the open bar. It's usually about everyone else and. I'll argue with people and um, say that they're wrong or something, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I enjoy uh, doing that on other podcasts. Um, being the guest, I feel welcome. So thank you, thank you. Sort it out, fantasy community. Stop just making him sing at the front of your show like some kind of minstrel. 
uh, and let him in the show. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. He's a great guest. I really, I'm going to put the SoundCloud link because I don't think I can really express how much I enjoy. And it's not just... Uh, it's got all the pod intros that um, Gabe has recorded so far and released at least. But if you go back far enough here, there, there's some stuff from seven years ago which are all just songs. And like you got to listen to them because you might not believe... Like, I have no authority to speak on what's good music. But um, they're great. You should, you should go listen to them. I'm putting it in the show notes, which will be our first link in the show notes, if I'm not mistaken. And please go check it out, just just to make your day a little better, because they're a lot of fun. I recommend um, Tweet on them, because, you know, mm. it's just great walk-up music before you log on to Twitter. I really I really think that's that, that's what something everyone should be doing um but yeah thanks again gabe and i'll see you all next week on the crossroads when we have another guest co-host yet yet to be asked frankly let alone named but um appreciate you gabe appreciate everyone or anyone that listens at least and i will see you again next week bye all righty Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.